All right, since this is our first Ash Wednesday service, um, we have, uh, it's pretty traditional for us to, to walk through uh, these readings, and these readings are um, pretty much what you would find in any um, Episcopal or Catholic uh, ch church service today. Uh, I think if you're going to do an Ash Wednesday service, you've got to go traditional. So these uh, readings are what we will follow, and so I find tremendous meaning in uh, the church universal, the Catholic church, um, not the little c Catholic church, but Catholic means universal, that everyone around the world is reading these same scriptures, reading these same prayers, um, and we get to be a, a small part of that. So uh, I love that about our church. Um, so if, you'll, if we'll begin uh, by standing with me and, and reading uh, our confession for the evening. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. But you, O Lord, have mercy on us. Spare us those who confess their faults. Restore us those who are penitent according to your promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O merciful Father, that we may hereafter live godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with feeling, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow your trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even the infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy between the vestibule and the altar. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord weep. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the people, where is their God? Before I read this, I'd like everyone here to give yourself permission. Permission to be still, permission to be present, permission to meditate on this passage of scripture as it's read. Let the words wash over you and become real in a new way. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. 
For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. And so you are justified when you speak, and upright in your judgment. Indeed, I have been wicked from my birth, a sinner from my mother's womb. For behold, you look for truth deep within me, and will make me understand wisdom secretly. Purge me from my sin, and I shall be pure. Wash me, and I shall be clean indeed. Make me hear of joy and gladness, that the body you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help again, and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. I'm going to read this a second time. And this time around, I would like to invite you to ask yourself, what is God saying to me through this text? What might God want to reveal to me through this passage? Is there even a certain word that stands out to you that has meaning to you? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And so you are justified when you speak and upright in your judgment. Indeed, I have been wicked from my birth, a sinner from my mother's womb. For behold, you look for truth deep within me and will make me understand wisdom secretly. Purge me from my sin and I shall be pure. Wash me and I shall be clean indeed. Make me hear of joy and gladness that the body you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help again and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. this third and final time, I'd like everyone here to close their eyes while the passage is read and ask yourself, how are you encountering God, the divine, through this scripture? How does it make you feel? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. 
for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And so you are justified when you speak and upright in your judgment. Indeed, I have been wicked from my birth, a sinner from my mother's womb. For behold, you look for truth deep within me and will make me understand wisdom secretly. Purge me from my sin and I shall be pure. Wash me and I shall be clean again. Make me hear of joy and gladness that the body you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help again and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. So, is Ash Wednesday important? Do we need Lent? Uh, I came from the Baptist tradition, and we didn't uh, we didn't even talk about it. I really didn't even start noticing uh, that Lent was even a thing until high school, and I would see certain people like walk around the hallways, and they would have the crosses on their forehead. Uh, went to uh, mass before school and came to school with crosses on their forehead. And then I think as, you know, 15, 16, 17, uh, people, it became kind of trendy because Texas is really Christian. So the kind of trendy Christian thing would be to at least give up chocolate or Coke for Lent. And people would walk around the halls and be like, oh yeah, I'm giving up chocolate for Lent. And, you know, I didn't really have any substance to it. And I being the good Baptist, the Protestant that I was, you know, thought that was kind of a weird Catholic thing. I wasn't going to, you know, bother with it. Or uh, and uh, went to Baylor University. Woo! A lot of Baylor fans in the house. Uh, <laughs> and my freshman year, at Baylor you have to take, uh, every person that goes to Baylor uh, has to go to chapel for at least two semesters, mandatory, and you have to take a Christian scriptures class and a Christian history class. And so in my Christian history class, freshman year, they forced us to, uh, in that spring semester, attend a religious service. Uh, this project was a Christian service of a different denomination. So if you're Catholic, you had to go somewhere else. If you're Baptist, you had to go somewhere else. So it was around the time of Lent and Ash Wednesday, and I decided to go to an Ash Wednesday service at an Episcopal church. And uh, I have a picture of this church. This is where I went. Uh, St. Paul's Episcopal Church uh, in downtown Waco, built in the 1800s. Beautiful sanctuary, unbelievable. Uh, there's a picture of it today. Um, that's what it looks like. And there was probably 30 people in the Ash Wednesday service, a night service. And we did the very similar structure, very similar readings. I uh, did a couple of hymns. And 
I was blown away. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was part of this, this sacred atmosphere, uh, but it was a t completely different tone invited into a Christian worship space than I had ever experienced before. In the Baptist tradition, in the Baptist church, especially in Texas, everybody has to be kind of polite and happy, and if you're not happy, then at least at, on Sunday morning from like 9 to 11, you like pretend to be happy. It's just like, oh, hey, how's it going? Every, how's the family? Oh, yeah, it's good, good. That family's good. Work, staying busy. We've got soccer practice. You know, we're doing good. Family's good. And I was, I was astounded that there was a worship space within the Christian tradition where doubt, ambiguity, uh, the, the concept of uh, emptying oneself, uh, repentance was spoken a lot about in this first um, service that I went to. And repentance is just a fancy word for rethinking, reshaping, reconsidering, um, reconsidering our lives. And the Christian tradition has a built-in space for us to take advantage of this tonight. And then it carries us through the next 40 days leading up uh, to Easter. And it's just, it's, it's phenomenal that our tradition developed in this way. And Ash Wednesday, you know, has a long history back to what's really the early church. And early church um, goes from a small persecuted group into a few hundred years later, it becomes the religion of the Roman Empire. Constantine uh, takes over and Christianity is no longer this fringe uh, religious community, but it now is the mandatory uh, belief system. And that takes on all sorts of uh, problematic dimensions. So what happens is, is that the desert fathers and the desert mothers, uh, they come about out of this uh, religion becoming the religion of the empire. So as Christianity starts throwing on the trappings of Roman culture, it changes. And so what the desert fathers and mothers do is they say, well, let's take away everything. Let's try to strip off all that uh, the empire has thrown onto our, uh, our faith, and let's go out into the wilderness. Let's forsake uh, all of our material possessions. Let's forsake everything that has mischaracterized this pure faith that we've found hope in, and let's go out into the wilderness and really enact this. So they went out and they would do 40 days of fasting, no food for 40 days. And then over time, this early third century practice of fasting for 40 days, mirroring Jesus 40 days in the wilderness, turns into uh, a more formalized, structured version of Lent and Ash Wednesday. So Ash Wednesday, uh, the first uh, written piece about Ash Wednesday happens around the late 900s, 990s, there's this guy named Alfaric, and he's writing about uh, Ash Wednesday and putting uh, ashes. Uh, he actually says they threw ashes on themselves, which that sounds kind of painful. But uh, in his writing, he tells this story. <laughs> I don't know why he puts this story in there. But there's a guy who he knew who didn't go to this Ash Wednesday service, and he's try Alfaric's trying to make a point about how important Ash Wednesday is. And this guy didn't go to the Ash Wednesday service. And then, coincidentally, later that week, he died in a hunting accident. Tragic as it should be, he should have gone to Ash Wednesday, Alfred says. So um, it's a good thing that you guys are all here. So 
and so it doesn't until it doesn't become an official right of the church until 100 years later, around 1090 or so, is when the Catholic Church officially makes it a, a structured piece of the church calendar, and the rest is history. Um, so, but I kind of want to explain, since this is our first time doing this, I kind of want to go through some of the history and why we do the ashes in general, why the church does ashes in general. Ashes simply are a sign of uh, repentance, mortality. They come up in the Bible often. Uh, Job throws ashes on himself uh, as, he, as a sign of his mourning. Um, you've probably heard of sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth uh, is a really rough material that people would wear in order to kind of like masochistically feel the pain in some ways, you know, like, ah. Um, and what's interesting about the ashes on the forehead, like that develops over time, even post Alfred in the 990s. And a lot of people think it goes back to the book of Revelation. There's a, there's a passage in Revelation where um, there's a mark on the forehead. Hey. Uh, there's a mark on the forehead which is uh, taken from the book of Ezekiel. And this is actually an X, or what they would call a Tav in Hebrew. So the Christian, they're very clever. Like, our faith is really good about repurposing traditions and finding meaning within them. So in Ezekiel, they would mark their foreheads with this top, this X. And then that's uh, written about in Revelation. And the early Christians pick up on this, and uh, the X starts to take on the meaning of Christ, of Christos, uh, which X is the first letter in the Greek uh, Christos. So that becomes kind of the where you get the X or the, the cross from in, in our tradition. In Ash Wednesday service, you'll hear um, later in every Ash Wednesday service, uh, someone in the service will say, uh, from dust you have come and from dust or to dust you will return. And that comes from Genesis uh, 3.19. Um, God is talking to uh, Adam and Eve in the garden and in 3.19 he says, you are dust and to dust you will return. It symbolizes from our, our scriptures early on that we are human. We are created out of the ground. Adam, um, you may know, Adam is Adam, which just means dirt. It's just, that's all that, that uh, name means is dirt man, Adam, Adam, dirt man. From the dirt you are formed and to the dirt you will return, which is actually how the message version of the Bible translates that verse. Uh, you are made from the dirt, and to Adam you will. But it's this idea deep within our faith that everything is temporary, that life is fleeting, that breath. Uh, I always love that in Genesis it says, like, God breathed into man, formed him, breathed. That life is temporary. I was listening to this fascinating podcast. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up and tell you guys um, what this book is, but uh, he was, this, this author was talking about this new book that he'd written and explaining uh, evolution from a homo sapien standpoint, and he was talking about how uh, it was just 70,000 years ago that uh, homo sapiens like, had this genetic mutation within us that allowed us to cooperate on a level that was just unparalleled in human history. Uh, you know, other species of humans, homo erectus, Neanderthals, had been on the planet 
for a lot longer, and Homo sapiens were kind of an obscure group of uh, species living in obscurity in East Africa. And within a 10,000 year span, we start just taking off and taking, in many ways, taking over the planet. Uh, but I thought it was just an unbelievably humble way to remember where we come from, that we are these finite dirt people um, that have developed uh, over time, created in the d divine image of God. I love that Ash Wednesday hits on so many different um, true aspects of the human condition. That we, on some fundamental level, if you, every, almost every faith tradition has a similar practice of uh, getting away the trappings of life, trying to eliminate the distractions, the Jewish faith, uh, the Muslim faith, uh, the Buddhist faith, to empty oneself in order to be filled with the things that are essential, that are actually important in our lives. And as modern people and postmodern people, we can very easily distract ourselves. I love Netflix. So it is really easy to add things onto our lives, to get caught up in work, to get caught up in uh, relationships, uh, to make other things distract us. We can easily medicate ourselves. Uh, the gospel, it's just like any other, um, just like any other day. Uh, we have an Old Testament reading, a psalm, and the gospel. The gospel passage for every Ash Wednesday is Matthew 6, and I'll read a couple of verses from that. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is our treasure? This is one of the essential callings uh, of Ash Wednesday, and I think one of the most important questions that uh, we should ask ourselves in life. What, it, what do we value? What do we value? Uh, and I love that Ash Wednesday is a space created in the church calendar to ask us universally what matters to us. And it's pretty obvious. Um, I think whenever we look around, we can tell by what takes up our time, uh, what matters to us. We can usually... Uh, look at our uh, bank statements and we can very easily see what matters to us. So when it, whenever you go to purchase food, you're uh, purchasing the maybe the most important symbol that one can purchase, which is providing for yourself and providing for your family. You're purchasing uh, food that comes from the ground to nourish your bodies, to uh, take part in the cycle of life that is important. So I think in that, in that regard, purchasing uh, food and groceries is incredibly valuable and incredibly important. That's not a, I don't think that's an example of how culture has manipulated us into, you know, that's not, that's not really pertinent to uh, trappings that like society puts on. It's a difference of purchasing food for um, for your community, like if we have a community meal and we put all of the food that we've each put our like recipes in, our like 
yeah, our favorites. Like we've taken time to pick the food, prepare the food, to pass on recipes, to share life. We're actually going to do a full-on like uh, Mission Hills recipe book this summer with all of our personalities, recipes. Uh, and whenever we put out a spread like that, we are demonstrating in food form our personalities, everything that is kind of a piece of who we are. We, we are laying that out there and sharing that within a community context. I'm not sure anything can be as meaningful and valuable as really thoughtful, intentional people sharing a meal together and enjoying conversation and enjoying each other's personalities and presence. And so that is like one excellent picture of how making and creating a context for enjoying food is very different than someone who uh, is just going out and buying like a bunch of Ben and Jerry's and then going to In-N-Out and just like gorging and uh, they got tired of like a Netflix show so they went over to Taco Bell and they're like in some ways like self-medicating via food. Like those are two very different ways in which food can be used. So yeah, there are always I think levels of how we use any resource that we've been given. If we kind of strip it back to, to Ash Wednesday and we're kind of asking the question, do we need Lent? Do we find value in Ash Wednesday? Kind of what's, what's the purpose? And I think it really kind of comes down to this um, finding ourselves and finding ourselves and our identity in Christ and in God. Um, and we can do that in a lot of ways. So like I said, historically people have uh, done really extreme things like fasting for 40 days. Uh, then it became, well, you can give up alcohol or chocolates or things like that, which there's not really a problem with giving up like an, an item like that. But the purpose of it is to do something that shakes you up out of your, your level of comfort. Uh, so whatever that is for you, uh, I would say go to that place. So it could be adding something into your uh, daily routine. So it could be um, meditating. It could be adding uh, in um, a certain prayer structure. Um, I think journaling uh, in, in some different devotional way is a really good practice to add in. So it can be adding something that then creates space for God to to connect you because it is about ultimately emptying yourself and trying to figure out where who am I and what do I really value in my life and how do I best create space within my life to find that spot to find that space for God to work and move within my life um, so as opposed to kind of like over analyzing and breaking down what does it mean for, for where your treasure is there your heart will also be uh, I think it's helpful to, within the context of, of Lent and Ash Wednesday, to simply ask, what can I strip away? It doesn't have to be extreme, but what can I do to make a shift enough during these 40 days to, as a, as we're as a community leading up to Easter, um, I can see the, the progress, the process of that space of 40 days. Because it is, in many ways, a gift. It's a 40, it shouldn't be, uh, was I talking to you, Christine? I was like seeing a people with a cross. Yeah, you're, you were saying that she would see people uh, with a, like a cross on their forehead and she'd be like, oh, poor people, the poor Catholics that had to like go through this uh, Ash Wednesday service where they like feel bad about themselves. Um, and we, 
I don't want that to happen. So I would say look at the next 40 days, and I hope tonight, uh, think of it as a gift that uh, the church and our uh, Christian ancestors gave us the time and gave us the space to repent, to rethink about how our faith uh, affects us at our the core of our being. Um, Ash Wednesday is uh, designed to, to empty us, to fill us up, fill us up with more love, more acceptance, more grace, more compassion, to eliminate the voices that give you your daily concept of, of who you are. So you're not your accomplishments, you're not your failures, you're not your good deeds, you're not your past relationships, you're not your fears, you are not the things that you have accumulated or collected, you are not your retirement plan, you are not your job, you are not your future, you are not your insecurities, and you are not your ego. The sign of the cross on your forehead reminds you that you are dust, stardust accumulated over billions of years, formed mysteriously into the person that sits here in this room, breathing in, breathing out. Your identity is found in the person of Jesus Christ, created and marked by the, the radical love who you are at the center of your being, life and breath. So in our final moments, we have an invitation to rethink, rethink your identity as a person created in this divine image. To imagine yourself, to empty yourself of all the little things that we, we compromise. I can be really good at distracting myself. so that we can be filled in this space, the hope and the promise that is found in God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this space. We're incredibly grateful that you call us to find our identity in you, not in the trappings of our culture and our time and our place and our city, things that tend to characterize us from these external modes. But that you invite us to look at who we are, created from the dust, created from the ground, created from the dirt, these divine miracles. So with that, I invite you into the, in the name of the church, to the observance of Holy Lent by self-examination and repentance by prayer, by fasting, self-denial, reading and meditating on God's word, and to make a right beginning of repentance and as a mark of our mortal nature, let us now go before the Lord, our maker, our redeemer. If you'll stand with me, if you would like. We'll read the bold text. Most holy and merciful Father, we confess to you and to one another and to the whole communion of God's people in heaven and on earth that we have sinned by our own fault in thought and word and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart 
in mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. Have mercy on us, Lord. We have been deaf to your call to serve as Christ served us. We have not been true to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. We confess to you, Lord, all of our past unfaithfulness, the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience of our lives. Our self-indulgent appetites and ways and our exploitation of other people. Our anger at our own frustration and our envy of those more fortunate than ourselves, we confess to you, Lord. Our intemperate love of worldly goods and comforts and our dishonesty in daily life and work, we confess to you, Lord. Our negligence in prayer and worship and our faithful failure to commend the faith that is in us, we confess to you, Lord. Accept our repentance, Lord and for the wrongs we have done, for our blindness to human need and suffering and our indifference to injustice and cruelty. Accept our repentance, Lord. For all the false judgments, for uncharitable thoughts toward our neighbors, and for our prejudice and contempt toward those who differ from us. We accept our repentance, Lord. There it is, there it is. For our waste and pollution of your creation and our lack of concern for those who come after us. Accept our repentance, Lord. Restore us, good Lord, and let your anger depart from us. Favorably hear us, for your mercy is great. Accomplish in us the work of your salvation, that we may show your glory in the world. By the cross and passion of your Son, our Lord, bring us the joy of his resurrection. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of this earth. Grant that these ashes may be a sign of our mortality and penitence so that we may remember that only by your gracious gift are we given everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. One thing that we'll talk about over the next few weeks, you can, you can have a seat, is how hopefully... Lent is a time of introspection, personal reflection, self-examination. Uh, I, I love being, I, I'm a four on the Enneagram, which we'll, we'll get into that sometime this year. Um, a four on the Enneagram personality, which means that I, she knows what I'm talking about. I, I find it really easy to be introspective and to go into that place and uh, I think that's probably why I love Ash Wednesday so much as uh, my personality type uh, but this for all of us hopefully the 40 days uh, will in many ways once we go deeper into ourselves all of that is not an end to itself it's it's directed so that we can be better servants of our sisters and brothers in the world um, so that we can become more accepting, that we can become more Christ-like. And this is a journey, hopefully, that as we go in, we can then go further out. So it's with that that we are going to um, make this inner goal and uh, manifestation, this hope that we have for the next 40 days. Um, we're going to take part in this strange tradition of, of marking that out with, with ashes on our forehead. Um, 
And so as the music plays, um, and you can create space to, to pray and to, uh, to read in your bulletin if you want, um, but just as you feel led, uh, make your way up here, and uh, I'll pray. I've made them. I burnt a palm tree out back. Joe helped you. So. Um, so yeah, feel free to take time to close your eyes, to pray, and as the music plays, um, you want to come up, if you want to come up um, and receive the ash. Uh, and remember that uh, from dust you came into dust you will return. been a very moving evening for me. Would you all pray with me now, please? May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you. Wherever he may send you, may he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm, 
May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors.